It is Sunday, December 22nd, and we will be continuing our study into the Christmas story in the Bible. Today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2, and we will be talking about the shepherds as recorded from Luke chapter uh, 2, verse 8, through uh, the uh, 18th verse, I believe. No, actually we're going to go through the 20th verse today. So... Let's start in verse 8. And it says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now what does it mean by same country? What do you think it means by that phrase right there? Is they the same country as uh, Bethlehem? Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. That is where we left off last week was after Mary and Joseph had gone to Bethlehem for the uh, taxation or the census and they could find nowhere to stay and we are told that Jesus was born and he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger because there was no room for them in an inn. And then it immediately goes into and there were in the same country. So it means these shepherds were close to Bethlehem or Uh, on the outskirts of Bethlehem. And it says that they were abiding in the field, and that means that they actually lived in the field. That word abide means to dwell or to live. So these shepherds lived with their flocks. This is what they did. This is who they took care of. It was their livelihood. Uh, It was their responsibility. It was their occupation. That's what they did was take care of the flock. They lived out in the open, under the open sky, even at night. This is what they did. Now, remember last week I drew that little map for you and we talked about Nazareth was up here and then Jerusalem was down here and Bethlehem was right outside of Jerusalem. That was Nazareth. This is Jerusalem. And then this was Bethlehem. Good morning. morning. So this little space right here. Okay. All right. It was six miles between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. Now what's located in Jerusalem? Temple. The temple, exactly. The temple was located in Jerusalem. So these shepherds kept their flock outside of Bethlehem, the city proper, out into the uh, countryside, they kept their flock there. So it is believed that these particular shepherds that were watching the sheep, they're happy sheep with little tails, outside of Bethlehem, that these were what was called the temple flock. Which means, guess what? This herd that they flocked or that they shepherded, the flock that they shepherded, were the ones that were going to be the sacrificial lambs. So, 
We answer question two, how far is Bethlehem from Jerusalem? Is it six miles? And then it is thought that these shepherds cared for the temple flock or the, uh, the actual lambs that were being raised for sacrifices in the temple at Jerusalem. Isn't that interesting? Verse 9 tells us, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Now, who appeared to the angel? Who appeared to the shepherds? An angel. Uh, One commentator said he liked to believe that this was Gabriel, even though he is not named. Uh, But he said if Gabriel had the... uh, pleasure of making the announcement to Mary and then we're told there was an angel that came to Joseph but where he's not named either but he says I like to think that it was Gabriel that got to do the whole thing yes that he got to tell Mary he got to tell Joseph and then now that the event has happened and Jesus is born he's just overcome with being able to tell somebody else and the first person that is chosen to be told is a group of shepherds. And not just any shepherds. Yeah, but the ones that it is believed cared for the sacrificial lambs. If the word comes to them, don't you think it has significance and meaning to them because they know what they're taking care of and what those lambs do when they're offered a sacrifice in Jerusalem? That they are offered for that reconciliation back to God for the people, for Israel, for his chosen people. So it says that they were sore afraid. Now that word means that they were greatly. That word sore means greatly. And that afraid means that they were startled by a strange sight or an occurrence. Now you have to remember it's been 400 years since there has been a word from God until the word came to Zechariah that his wife Elizabeth was going to have a child and they would call his name John and he would be the forerunner of Christ. Six months after that, the announcement is made to Mary that you are going to birth the Messiah. It had been 400 years since there had been a word from God. No prophets, no preachers, nothing. It had been war. It had been upheaval. These people were wondering, where is God? We have nothing from God. And all of a sudden, these are the words that are given. The next words that come are that the Messiah is coming now. This is not a prophecy for way off in the future like it was in the Old Testament. It's coming right now. You are going to experience it right now is what the angel is telling them. So they were startled by this strange occurrence. I don't know about you, but I would have been pretty afraid if an angel appeared unto me too probably in the night sky. You know, you're used to sitting out there. It's quiet. Uh, You know, you've got the beautiful night sky, the beautiful stars. 
it's peaceful, you know, you don't see any wolves around to come get your sheep, you might be playing a harp, you know, David played a harp while he was out tending his sheep, and all of a sudden, boom, there's the angel in the sky. Do you think you'd go, oh, hi? You would be cowering, you would be scared, uh, you would probably be shaking, just wondering, what is this? We've heard tales of angels before that talk to people. We've heard these stories passed down to us all the time. But we're actually seeing something amazing. So the angel's message to them, number one, the angel says what? Look at verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. Don't be afraid. Were those words used with Mary? Yes. Were they used with Joseph? Yes. Now they are being used with the shepherds. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid that we're here. Don't be afraid that we're talking to you. Don't be afraid of our message that we're bringing. There were lots of things they could have been saying, fear not too. But isn't it amazing, we like to think that these people just received these messages and didn't have any human emotion or feeling. But they were feeling the same thing that we would have if something like this had occurred in front of our eyes. The first emotion would probably have been fear. And that's what the Lord says. The message is fear not. Don't be afraid. And then it says, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, now, what do you think that word good tidings right there means? Good news. Good news? Exactly. Good tidings means good news, which means what else? What does good news mean? Joy. How about this word? You ever heard the word gospel? The word gospel actually means good news which means good tidings. So guess what this angel's message was going to be? It was going to be the gospel message of where salvation is coming from. So fear not. Do not be afraid. This is the same thing I said to Mary. I said to Joseph. I've said to multitudes of people in the past. Fear not. It's the message that will resonate on through time until we're finally with Jesus, is fear not. Good tidings. I am bringing you good tidings. I'm bringing you good news. Guess what? I'm fixing to tell you the gospel message. And then it says it's going to be good tidings of great joy. And they said this joy right here is actually the cause of joy. Not just that it's going to be joy, but this gospel message, this good news, good tidings that I'm bringing you is the cause of your joy. Now let me ask you something. Are joy and happiness the same thing? Joy is supposed to be all the time, regardless of circumstances, because we have the cause of joy, which is Jesus. Happiness is dependent upon our emotions, upon our situation, upon our 
financial, uh, upon our family situation, upon friends, upon our job. There's lots of things that make us happy. But it's not unending because guess what? Things happen and upset our apple cart and that happiness goes out the door. But we're supposed to have joy regardless. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And then it says that this gospel message, this good news, this cause of the joy that you're going to experience is shall be to all people. Have you ever thought about that message to all people? That includes every individual, each, every, any, all, the whole, everyone. It's each one of us individually and the world as a whole. So to all people, to all, is each one and also every one. So this gospel message that the angel is going to tell to the shepherds is going to be the cause of joy for you. And it's not just for you. You Guess what? It's for each one of you. We don't know how many shepherds were there. You know, most manger sheen, so one lone little shepherd. But there were more than one shepherd there. It's for each one of you, but it's also for everyone else. It's to encompass everyone, this gospel message of joy. Now let me uh, give you a little insight on shepherds. Does anybody remember what the Egyptians thought of shepherds? Way back in Moses' time? Yes, ma'am. Exactly. Yes. The Egyptians thought they were the scum of the earth. They did not like the fact when uh, Joseph brought his family to Egypt that they were all shepherds by trade. Uh, they looked down on them, but they couldn't do anything about it because Joseph was favored by Pharaoh. So there wasn't a whole lot they could do, but they did not appreciate their occupation. They were scummy, low life. So guess what? Times had not changed as far as the uh, thoughts for shepherds. There you go, Missy. Good morning, good morning. <laughs> Said it is strangely appropriate. This is what someone uh, wrote. That news of the royal birth comes first to some shepherds among the lowliest of the emperor's subjects. We tend to romanticize these shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. We like to think, but they were not considered that way. But in the first century, shepherds were not considered desirable company. They were poor, they were illiterate, and they were thought to be dishonorable because they were not at home every night protecting their family and taking care of their wives. They were also considered thieves because they had a tendency to graze their flocks on other people's property. They were outcasts of polite society and uh, it was considered a despised occupation. But yet these are the first people that hear the gospel message. 
that a Savior is born. And it tells us in verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So, city of David. Remember we talked about that. That was Bethlehem. They're six miles from Bethlehem or or right outside of Bethlehem. So, they're like, we're going to Bethlehem. That's where it's at. That's where we are told that Jesus is born. And it says, a Savior. They needed a Savior. They didn't possibly understand it at the time. But they needed that Savior. And it says here that this Savior is going to be Christ the Lord. That is the only time in Scripture that this phrase is used together. Christ the Lord. The word Christ there means anointed. I don't have another copy of the handout. Uh, But that means anointed. And the word Lord means Messiah. Now we have Christ mentioned numerous times in Scripture. We have Lord mentioned numerous times in Scripture. This is the only time it's used together. Anointed Messiah. There is a Savior that has been born unto you in Bethlehem, the city of David, and He is Christ the Lord. Verse 12 tells us, And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now remember we stopped last Sunday talking about Mary putting Jesus in swaddling clothes and that there was a manger available for her to lay him in. As to whether it was actually in a stable, we don't know because there is no stable mentioned in Scripture. Just the manger. It could have been out in the open even. Could have been where they found shelter to, to bed down beside that manger to stay out of the wind. It could have been where she actually gave birth to Jesus, was there beside that manger. Shirley told us the mangers in uh, Israel are rocks. It's not wooden stables or wooden mangers like we see in all of the pictures and the depictions nowadays. It was actually a rock that had been hewn out and they put hay inside of it for the animals to eat. And that's where they laid Jesus. But this was going to be a sign. Now, swaddling clothes may have been something that was popular in those days. The only time it is mentioned in Scripture, Old Testament or New Testament, is when it refers to Jesus. And if you look closely, it doesn't actually say clothes. It says cloths. Yeah. It could have been sheep skin or some some of animal skin that they wrapped him up in. Could have been. But he is the only one. And how many babies are born in Scripture? How many begots do we have in Scripture in genealogy? And Jesus is the only one that is referred to as being clothed in swaddling. Nowadays, swaddling is very popular. You know, wrap them little babies up as tight as you can get them where they just look like a little pea in a pod. They did that with Daisy when she was first born. But you know, she had one arm that would go out like this. It didn't matter how tight you wrapped her, that arm was going out. It still does that. (laughs) 
Now, I want to give you an idea that there was a number of babies in Bethlehem and the surrounding area at this time. Does anybody know how we know that? It is a scriptural fact that there were babies in this area at that time. Could have been. But it wasn't required for the women to go, so a lot of the women may have stayed at home with the kids and just the husbands went. There is scriptural evidence that there were a lot of babies in this area at the time. Doesn't that have to do with the killing of them? Yeah. Look down into Matthew chapter 2. And I would say we're looking in this area right around here. It would be around Bethlehem and around Jerusalem. Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 16 through 18. And who would like to read? men was exceeding worth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coast thereof from two years and under according to the time which he had diligently required of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet saying in Ramah was there a voice heard lamentation and weeping and great mourning Rachel weeping for her children and would not comfort because they were are not. So there's your scriptural evidence. Remember the wise men come. And at the time that the wise men come, you know, they don't come to the uh, manger. They come actually to a house mm-hmm. to see Mary and Joseph and the babe. And we are actually told that they saw Mary and Jesus. And he is believed to have been about two years old at the time. And they inquire in Jerusalem, and it gets to King Herod that there is a new king that has been born, and these wise men have traveled from the east to come and find him. Uh, So Herod doesn't like that. The wise men, remember, don't go back and report to him. So Herod decides, I'm going to kill every child that is two years and under in this area just to make sure I get rid of whoever this new king is. So there had to be numerous children that were born about the same time that Jesus was born, two years and under, in that area. So when the news is given to the shepherds, this good news, this gospel, this cause of joy that's for everyone, each one of you and everyone else, that a child is born, and these are the signs that you'll see, is swaddling, and a manger. Guess what? That's all they've got to go on to find the child. And he's in Bethlehem. He's in the city of David. So the news is given. They hear the gospel message that the Savior has come, Christ the Lord, And then it says in verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying. 
What's a heavenly host? Yes. Her second word was army. It was an army of angels that appeared. There have been other times in Scripture where there was an army of angels. In the Old Testament, there's a time when uh, the man who could see them or knew that they were there asked God, said, please open my uh, servant's eyes so he can see what I see. And when the servant's eyes were opened, he saw all along the ridge of the mountains the army of angels. Was that Elijah and Elisha? No, I don't think so. I can't remember off the top of my head, and I meant to put it down, and I can't remember off the top of my head. It has escaped me. That's, that's one of the things of getting older. Your mind doesn't work like you want it to a lot of times. Um, but it's interesting to note that there is an army of angels that inhabits the heavens. And this is not necessarily up in heaven with God, even though we know there are angels around the throne because there's scriptural references for that, but they're out there. And we like to think that we are walking this journey alone, but yet there are angels. You know, we all hear about a guardian angel, but there are troops Multitudes of angels that are at have been dispatched to watch over God's children. Not only do we have Jesus with us and the Spirit with us helping us along our journey, but there are angels that are dispatched. Daniel was praying, and he went for 21 days and did not have an answer to his prayer. And the angel that came to him finally after the 21 days says, I'm sorry it took me so long, but I had to fight out here, all of this evil that was out here to get the answer to you. We forget about God's protection and God's provision and all of the things that He has for us. It's the same here. There was a whole multitude, a troop, an army of angels that appeared. And what were they doing? Praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. There was a uh, first century writer, and he was not a Christian writer. It says he was a pagan writer. And he expressed it like this. He said, while the emperor, remember Caesar Augustus, the emperor, (coughs) may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. We didn't do the book, or did we? I forgot it. We don't oh, okay. All right, we ain't got one. <laughs> he said, while the emperor can give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart, for which men yearn for more than even outward peace. That was a pagan writer back in the first century that wrote that. It's... The yearn of every heart is peace. Peace. Everything's in turmoil. My life's in turmoil. The world's in turmoil. The government's crazy. Everybody's crazy. It's there's no peace. Jesus gives peace. He is peace. And he said he gives us his peace.
Now, what's the evidence in Scripture that there are angels around the throne? Anybody know the story in Isaiah 6, 1 and 3? It was the year that King Uzziah died. And I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. And with twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's Isaiah. It was a a vision that he had of the angels in heaven around the throne. But what are they doing in the throne? They are praising God. And then in Revelation, in John's vision, it says, And I beheld, Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. And thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Not only are angels messengers, not only are they protectors, not only do they help fight battles, but you know what? They praise God. It is an unending praise around His throne. So What other thing would there be at the good news, the first announcement that a multitude or an army of angels would appear and praise God for sending His Son, for sending the Savior? And it says in verse 15, it says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherd said one to another. Guess what? There was more than one shepherd. The shepherd said one unto another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Verse 16 says, And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now can you imagine their search? One commentator put it like this, that it was like a scavenger hunt. They knew swaddling. They knew manger. They knew boy. They knew newborn. Now, six miles could have been a several hour trip for them to get from where they were watching their flocks to get into Bethlehem. It could have still been night. It could have been daytime by then. But can you imagine them going from door to door? Hey, y'all got a newborn baby in there? You do? Is it a boy? No? Okay. Thank you. Going on to the next door. Hey, you got a newborn baby boy in there? Okay, thank you. They get to another one. You got a newborn baby boy? You do? Well, do you have it in swaddling? You don't? Okay. On and on and on. I don't think they just necessarily went directly to that one manger. Because there were probably multiple mangers to feed the flocks around the city. But they went, I think, through the town with the clues that they had until they found the child, the baby newborn in swaddling lying in a manger. Because it says they found them. But it also says, and when they had seen it, 
Verse 17, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds. Do you think some of these people that they might have knocked on their door and said, I'm sorry, this ain't you. Well, tell me what you find out when you come back. I want to know why you're looking. Spread this, spread this news. Tell me. Yeah, low-life people at the crack of dawn knocking on your door. Mm-hmm. They don't want to know why. And according, this is not scriptural, but according to Sanhedrin law, <coughs> a shepherd was not allowed to give testimony in a court of law. Their words were not considered trustworthy. And who did God choose after the angel to spread that gospel message? The lowlife, the scum, the ones who could not stand before people and give a testimony because it was not trustworthy, they were the ones that spread the initial good news story. Around town, all their way back, that however far they were outside of Bethlehem, anybody they came in contact with, don't you know they were telling their story? Hey, we have freedom to talk about this. People are going to listen because this is just an amazing story. They're still feeling the energy of being in the presence of the messenger. Mm-hmm. You know, who's the messenger of the gospel news today? We are. We are. It doesn't matter our station in life. <coughs> doesn't matter who we think will listen to us. If we're credible, uh, of what we are to spread that good tidings, that good news, that gospel. We are to tell about the cause of joy is the fact that Jesus came to all, each one, everyone. But he's no longer a baby lying in a manger. Let me tell you the rest of the story. <laughs> It's a very simple gospel message that we are to tell, that we are to spread, just like those shepherds told everyone they came in contact with. Verse 19 says, But Mary kept all of these things in her heart and pondered them in her heart. That word pondered there means she considered, said it revolved around in the mind. Can you imagine what she thought about? It comes to mind that song, Mary, Did You Know? Was she actually thinking those things from her message that she had heard from Gabriel, from everything that had happened between her and Joseph, and now for all of that prophecy to come true, and she has experienced it, she has now seen shepherds come, that somehow they found out, God told them through angels, just like God told us through angels, And she just pondered it and kept it in her heart and thought about it. What what an amazing thing to think about as a young mother. The implications of who your child will be and what your child will do. Verse 20 tells us, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Again, they continue to tell the story. It's up to us. Yes, as they were told. This is our message today. The gospel message. Jesus came. It's just like Scripture said. He was born to a virgin. He fulfilled prophecy. But you know what? There's more prophecies that He had a ministry. He healed. He delivered. He saved. 
He still heals. He still delivers. He still saves. And there's prophecy still that He's coming back and you better be ready. That's our message today. Just like the shepherds had a message to tell. I thought it was just amazing. Because you don't think about all of those things. So let's have a word of prayer before we go upstairs. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. We thank you for the message, the good news, the great tidings, the gospel message that came, Lord. And that it was for everyone, for each of us individually and for everyone it includes. Lord, help us to remember that in this season. Lord, that even though you came as a child, you did grow, you did minister, you did die, you did rise again, and you are waiting for the Father to give you the nod to come back and receive us unto you, Lord. Help us to spread that good news to others, to live our lives where we are a light for you, because we are the gospel that people see and that people need, Lord. I pray that you'll touch each one of these students, you know, the needs in their hearts and their lives. I pray that you will... Uh, be with them this week, Lord. Help them to experience the wonder of Christmas. Help them to enjoy, Lord, the fact that you came, Lord. But help us not to forget that you are coming again in power and in glory and in might. Dear Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor this morning for your great sacrifice. Have your way here in our service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.